event. We kick off our summer concert series. It's going to be a fun one. This year's theme, pandemic. We've then got some of the songs lined up. Don't stand so close to me. Stuck in the middle with you. All by myself. And then I suggested my Corona to the tune of my Sharona, but it got kicked out. But we're going to have fun. You're going to get to hear. I'm going to kick it off next Sunday. And then, uh, man, you're going to get to hear from Casey. You're going to get to hear from Pastor Amanda, from Ben through this. Uh, it's going to be a six weeks. I'm going, to, I'm going to go in every other week. They're going to give me a break because uh, I still haven't lost the quarantine weight yet, so I'm still struggling. So I've got to get back in the gym. But it's going to be here at 11 a.m. Y'all good? Yeah. Worship sounds good, man. We've got a lot of new faces. Welcome, welcome. Are we always like this? Yes, but usually much worse. Uh, but we, we do want to welcome you. Uh, seriously, anybody um, had a stressful week? Uh, let me say this. Anybody had a stressful year? Anybody wish you could do a do-over for 2020? Come on, be, be honest. And, and, and anybody tired of hearing these discussions or arguments? Uh, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Uh, they, they help. They do nothing at all. Uh, uh, how many cases are there of COVID-19? Well, not as nearly as they say they are. Uh, we need to take this serious. We're taking this way too serious. Close everything down. Open everything back up. Kids need to be back in school. Uh, parents are saying that. Uh, those without kids are saying, no, keep the kids out. Uh, so... <laughs> And then to top it all off, we have all the positive election ads. Come on, yeah. Positive election ads are an oxymoron. Here's what I do know. Wherever you stand on any of these issues, chances are before COVID-19 hit, before the riots hit, you had some things going on in your life way before that ever hit. You had some very real concerns before that ever hit. You had some weight, some things that were weighing you down before that. How, how do you know? Because I felt it. And another way I know, that's life. I'm not trying to sound cold, but that is just life. Life throws curves at you. As we learned about week one, life hands you pieces of puzzle that you look at and say, what am I supposed to do with this? How is this part of the big picture? And I know we want to act tough like we, we put on our face, but here's the truth. There are no supermen or superwomen in this room right now. There are no super Christians in this room right now. We are just average Ordinary people. And the fact is, sometimes the weight gets too heavy to carry. Come on. And there's some of you here today. You walked in, all smiles, but inside your concerns has you tied up at night. And it may not be able to be seen on the outside, but it's very, very real. Maybe it has to do with your finances. 
Maybe it has to do with your health, health of somebody else. Maybe it's relational, marriage, friendship, family. Uh, maybe it's depression, loneliness. Maybe it's hurt. So today's question, and this is, if you're taking notes, this is the only fill-in for today, is this. What do you do with the cares of your life? What do you do with those things that weigh you down? What do you do with the struggles? What do you do with those things? Because here's what I know. This community right here that we're in, this body of believers, it, it was never meant to be just something we attended. Are you hearing me? See, as, as followers of Jesus, I just believe this. What we're doing right here today, it should not just affect our Sundays. It should have an effect on our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As a follower of Jesus, come on, he should affect every aspect of our life, including our worries, including our cares and anxiety. It, come on, is that a fair statement? So then what do you do with your cares? Because uh, how you answer that question will have a lot to do not only with how you come through this season we're in, but the quality of your life in the future. And as we finish up this series, The Big Picture, that's what we're going to talk about. Because this year has, has been hard on everybody. And it's left a lot of us wondering, what do I do with this piece of the puzzle? What am I supposed to do with this? How is this all part of the big picture? I, I, I've been handed this way, these worries, these concerns, and I do not know what to do with them. What do you do with the cares of your life? 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, very popular scripture, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Say that with me. Cast I need you this week. Just go do that. Go do that. Cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. Go do that. Okay, God bless. I'll see you guys next week. Wouldn't it be great if it's that easy? Come on. That's all I got to do? See, somebody, somebody sit back. Is he kidding? If I could do that, I wouldn't be on my prescription meds right now. Come on. But to be fair and honest, it's not. it's easier said than it is done. And we're going to come back to that scripture in a moment. Um, let me ask a question. Has this ever happened to any, anyone but me? Because it's happened to me several times. Where uh, you've been at your house, whether it's a bedroom or, or, or some part of the room, and you think, I need something. So you physically get up, walk into that other room. When you get to that other room, you cannot for the life of you remember what you're there for. Come on, Anybody? I, I've done it. I've been in my office. Uh, hey, uh, go, go do this in the sanctuary. I get up, I come, what in the world am I in here for? I've been at home, comfortable in my bed with the TV on, watching, and something came to my mind, hey, you need to do this, and it physically moved me from that comfortable bed to get up, walk out into the living room to where I suddenly realized I have no idea what I'm doing in the living room. What did you do, PK? I got a snack and went back to bed. I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, a snack. Made me feel better about my mind. Uh, I believe God wants to do that with the cares that we're carrying today. 
to where we get so enraptured with his presence that we walk and be like, what, were the, what was I worried about? What were those cares that I was thinking about? I, I don't even remember those things. I believe God wants to do that. With that being said, if you got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. If you don't, I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. I'll give you a little background because um, we're really only going to focus on a couple of scriptures because there's four stories in Luke I want to look at. And here, um, Jesus, at this point, Jesus has not picked any of his disciples. He, he's a walking uh, down by this lake. He's teaching. The people were starting to crowd in on him. And, and so while he's teaching, he looks over and sees these two ba- boats that are up on the shore, uh, and the fishermen that were in them were cleaning their nets. So Jesus jumps in one of the boats, which turned out to be Simon, who we'd later known as Peter, Simon Peter's boat, and he says, hey, push me out to shore so I can teach. Because these people are not practicing proper social distancing. So, come on, a little humor. Come on, stay with me. He pushed me out from shore so I, so I can teach for them. And, and, and so you got Simon, Simon Peter, and he's like, he's exhausted. He's worked all night. He's tired. All he wants to do is finish cleaning those nets, go home, rest, so he can get ready for the next night's work. But he says, you know what? We didn't catch a single thing, but because you say so, we're going to do it. The Bible says this. They pulled out. When they let their nets down, they caught so many fish that their nets began to tear. And so they had to call their partners who had the other boat to come out and help them. And it says by the time they got done hauling in fish, there were so many fish, both boats began to sink. Now, that's a catch of fish. Come on. That's the catch. Every, every professional fisherman, if that's what you do for a living, that's what you want to come home with, right? I mean, that, that, that's going to take care of a lot of things. And what happens, the Bible says, in that moment that Simon seeing this as he goes, he falls at Jesus' feet and says, Oh, I'm a sinner. You don't want to be near me, Jesus. And it says that Simon and all the others, including James and John, were amazed. And then these two verses follow that. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they, Simon and the others, pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Left everything and followed him. Everything. Isn't that a great story? Can I be honest? It's a little frustrating to me. Uh, why? Because I am a uh, I am a both and kind of person. See, some of you, what? what? Let me explain it. If we go to a Dunkin' Donuts that also has a Baskin Robbins built into it, have you seen those? I don't see the need to choose between donuts or ice cream. Denise says, hey, what are you going to have, ice cream or donuts? I say, yes. <laughs> yes. Why do I need to choose? I, I've never understood the phrase. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Why do I have a cake if I cannot eat it? 
That, that's a stupid phrase. So I, I'm one of their bosses. So when I look at this story here where Jesus uses Simon's boat to teach, he then tells Simon, hey, go out, uh, catch your nets. And they have the career catch of a lifetime, uh, a catch that will sustain his family's business, provide for them. And he loves what he's doing. Yet verse 11 says, after the catch of a lifetime, he leaves everything and follows Jesus. Me, I, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I, I do want to follow you. I, I do. That's not, that's not even a question. But before we leave, hear me out, Jesus. Let's go to the market, sell these fish. I've been, somebody's been wanting my boat and a business for a while. I'll sell it. That'll give us a good start up, some money for the, for the ministry. Come on, come on, anybody else has to make some more sense. Not Simon. Simon, whose entire life had been centered around fishing in the span of seven verses, walks away from it all and follows Jesus. Another story found in Luke, Luke chapter 7, a life-changing experience. Check this out, Luke, uh, verse 36 through 38. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured the perfume on them. Now, I want you to get this in your mind, what's going on here. Jesus is at a dinner party of this elite Pharisee, religious leader, in barges what the Bible says a sinful woman, which is a polite way of saying prostitute, uh, walks in there, she barges, heads straight for Jesus, goes to his feet, begins to cry so hard, her tears wet his feet, she then takes her hair, dries them, then takes his perfume and pours them and anoints Jesus' feet with them. Understand this, this perfume that she poured out was a year's wages. That's how much it was worth. Think about what you make in a year. And then you have one thing that you've saved up an entire year for. This was your, like, let's say you, you saved up and bought the car of your dream. That car becomes your identity. Come on, you're proud of that car. That, that's who you are. And, and the fact is this, when you, when you look at it, most women in those days didn't wear perfume. You know who did wear perfume? Prostitutes. So you could know that was her calling card. And she's like, hey. I'm going to be known as a prostitute. At least I'm going to be known as a high-dollar one. <laughs> and so she comes in, pours this expensive perfume out at his feet. See, this was her centerpiece. It was who she was. But in one encounter with Jesus, it became nothing to her. Luke 19 records another encounter with Jesus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Come on, we sang the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. He. For the Lord. Look, this is so, this is so funny. 
I'm looking out some of the young people are like, Maybe we did. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was. Maybe if I, you know, come on. Calm down, Denise. Calm down. <laughs> we'll go home later. <laughs> so, but you remember that story. And what happens? He gets up just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's a tax collector. And, and so Jesus sees him, says, hey, 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 come down to the tree. I want to go to your house and have dinner with you. And then look what these next two verses record. Luke 19, 7, 8. All the people saw this, saw what? Jesus and, and Zacchaeus. And they begin to mutter, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They knew who Zacchaeus was. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which meant this. He had to betray his own people, the Jews, to get that career. That's how bad he wanted that career, that he didn't care that he betrayed his own people to get it. And this is what he is. And then look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Zacchaeus was wealthy. You hear that, Bob? Zacchaeus was wealthy. He was known by what he did. This was his identity. It, it, it meant a lot to him. Yet in one encounter with Jesus, he walks away from it. Walks away from it. Three stories in a loop, back to back. And th these three stories, I, I, and believe me, there are a whole lot more where you see one encounter with Jesus changing everything. But three, three stories, they should tell us something about Jesus. Here's what they should tell us. How captivating Jesus really is when you have an encounter with him. How capturing he is when something that consumes your life, you're now willing to walk away from it. How capturing Jesus really is. Now let's go back to 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The word cast that is translated there literally means to throw upon. Take those and throw them upon him. The word cares, it says cast your cares it does mean cares and anxiety, but it also means this, to be drawn in different directions. In other words, throw your cares, your worries, those things that have your mind going in a hundred different directions. Take those things and throw them on Jesus. Here's the problem with us Christians. When we think about that, here's what we feel like. Take your cares. All right. Oh, brother. boy, that's heavy. Oh. Hey, um, Jesus, Ben, playing Jesus, would you mind helping me? <laughs> can you just uh, can you get, can you just carry that one for me? I got I got no, I got these others. Come on. And this is their idea. But that's not what the Bible says. Throw all your cares on Him. 
throw it all on him. All right, Jesus. It's what you told me to do. My identity, the things that I once were consumed with, the things that I keep me up all night worrying about, things that have got my mind going in a hundred directions, you want me to throw that's what we're supposed to do with the cares of our life. What do you do with the cares? Thank you, man. Just Could you stand there the rest of my message holding that? <laughs> he would. Take your cares. Take your cares, your worries, your past. Throw those things on Jesus. Back to Simon Peter. Fishing was how he made a living, Right? How he supported his family, right? He's just had the catch of his life. I mean, the dream catch. A catch that would sustain his family for a long time. People are going, when, if they see Peter, Simon, walk away from this catch, people are going to talk about him and say he's lost his mind. People are going to say, come on, come on, Simon. You want to follow Jesus, do that. But first, do this. Sell the fish. Take care of this. Do that. But here's what you need to understand. Simon in one moment was so captivated by Jesus that everything else he thought he needed in life, everything he thought made him who he was, it was eclipsed by the presence of Jesus. And it did not matter anymore. Paul said like this, Philippians 4, 6, 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by what? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving present those requests to God. Don't worry about anything. Don't let it get you down. Instead, take those things, present them to God. God, I really need this in my family's life. God, I really need this healing. God, I've got this financial situation in my life. God, my kid is driving me crazy. God, my marriage is doing this. Present them before God. He says to do that. You would think the very next scripture would say, and God will supply your needs. You know what it says? Present your request to God, and this will happen. The peace of God that transcends sins, all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're praying for fish, and God wants to give you peace. Come on. But, but God, I really need this. No, no, no. What you need is peace that is rooted in my son Jesus. That's what you need. The, the, the peace of God. See, the peace of God, it goes beyond what we think we need, what we think we want. It goes beyond our hurts. It goes beyond those things that keep us hanging on to unforgiveness. It goes beyond that. The peace of God goes beyond that. And here's the thing. The prayers that don't get answered, the life the way we wanted them to do, God gives peace. You're praying, God, I need $500 to cover things this month. God, God, I need $500. Could God give you $500? Absolutely. But maybe God just wants to give you peace. Because think about it. Why do you want that $500? Because you think that's going to bring you peace. You think that $500, if I can just get $500, things will be much better. If I can get $500, I won't have to worry about it. And God says, hey, 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 let me give you peace. Let me give you peace. Uh, man, there's a great story in Mark. You remember Jesus and his disciples, they're out in the boat. Suddenly, the Bible says this 
furious squall comes up on them. I mean, the storm is so bad that these seasoned fishermen are scared for their life. You know where Jesus is at? Taking a nap in the boat. I want that kind of peace in life. That. Where the storm is raging, riots are raging, people are arguing on social media, but I don't have to answer them back because I've got peace. You do realize you don't have to respond. And that's a lot of you why you don't have peace because you feel the need to. Oh, that's God. I didn't even say that at 9 a.m. I want peace like that. I want to be captured by Jesus like that. Simon Peter has the catch of a lifetime, and he doesn't even think twice about walking away from it. Why? I believe it's because Jesus in that moment became so real to Simon. His love became so real to Simon. And church, I'm telling you, if we could get to a place where Jesus just becomes so real to us, where, where his love becomes so real to us and we lean, we'll find this, those things that we deemed were so important, those things we place such high value on compared to Jesus, they're nothing. They're nothing. What about the sinful woman, the prostitute at the dinner party? She barges in and pours out this very expensive perfume. Those watching don't understand. In fact, one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, speaks up and says, hey, hey, come on. We can take that perfume and sell it and do a lot of good with it. Which if you know the story, uh, Judas wasn't concerned about doing a lot of good. He was extorting money. But they didn't understand. Why, why are you doing it? Why are you taking the perfume? Why are you taking the thing that you've worked your whole life and pouring it out? If you were to ask her, don't you care that you're wasting it? I believe she'd say, I used to. There was a time when this meant everything to me. It was my identity. It was who I was. But now, Jesus has eclipsed it all, and he means everything to me. What happened? She became so consumed with Jesus that everything else failed in comparison. Guys, listen, I don't want to be the kind of Christian who's just really good at doing church. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that's just really good at the spiritual things. You, you, you know what I mean? I, I really good on Sunday worship. I, I want to know Jesus in my everyday life. Whether I'm in line at McDonald's or if I'm praying at the church, I want Jesus in every situation. I want him to consume every situation. If I'm talking with somebody, if I'm playing video games online and giving my son a hard time back and forth, I want Jesus to rule in that situation. Are you with every situation? I need him. I want to be the, I, I want to be consumed. By, I want to be the kind of husband that is consumed by Jesus. I want to be the kind of dad that is consumed by Jesus. I want to be the kind of pastor and friend that is consumed by Jesus, where Jesus eclipses everything in the world. I don't want to look back over my life and find that I live my life for fish and perfume. back on my life to say, I live my life for sports or hobbies. And I love sports. In fact, 
Y'all may have to put me in a depression hospital if college football gets canceled. My Tennessee balls don't play. I'll be like, get us the end of the world. I love it. But I don't want to look back on my life and my kids say, well, dad, man, boy, dad was a great balls fan. I want to look back and dad was consumed with Jesus. Everything, his whole life was consumed with Jesus. I want to be that kind of dad. I want to be that kind of husband. And here's the thing. If along the journey I get to have fish, great. If along the journey I get to have perfume, great. But I want to live a life where I can take it or I can leave it. It does not define who I am, and it doesn't determine how, where I'm at in life. Come on. Zacchaeus, the span of two verses, a wealthy man, has an encounter with Jesus and gives it all up. What is contained in those two verses? Because I want that. Whatever is contained in those two verses, I, I, want to, I want that there completely, to be completely captured by Jesus. I, I want that where I'm willing to leave the catch of a lifetime. I'm willing to pour out something that means everything to me. I want that to be consumed. I, I want it to wear where you don't do it because somebody's watching. Come on. Where, where, you, where you don't do it just for show, where you don't preach it just because it sounds good, but you do it because it is at the very fiber of who you are. Jesus has every area. I mean, Paul found it. In Philippians 3, he's talking to this group of religious leaders, and he said, listen, if anybody has a right to brag about their education, it's me. Anybody got a right to brag about keeping the law? It's me. But then he says this in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What's Paul saying? Those things used to matter to me. Those things used to be important to me. I used to hold them dear, my social status, my knowledge, my education, but compared to Christ, they're nothing. Because here, in this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. You, you're going you're, you're to have concerns. You're going to have some things that just make, make you worry. Those aren't sinful. You realize that. The problem is when that's all you can think about. And they begin to govern how you live. They begin to govern where you go, what you do. See, we've had a lot thrown at us this year. I mean, let's be honest, we had a lot thrown at us. And a lot to be concerned about. But here's what I'm learning. If I can get Bubba to come on up. Here's what I'm learning. And I'll tell you this, I'm still learning this. I do not have it down but by any means. But I've discovered the primary way to deal with loss is this. When compared to Jesus, I've already counted it loss. I've already counted loss. See, see our family, our church, we suffered a great loss with the, with, the, with the passing of mom, patriarch of this church. We suffered a great loss. Denise and I, over the past few months, have suffered hurt 
and lost. But can I tell you this? We're going to be okay. This church is going to be okay. Why? Because those things compared to Jesus, not even worth my time. Not even worth a moment of me thinking about. I'm telling you, compared to Jesus. And here's the thing. I'm not dismissing hurts. I know there are hurts in here. I know people have gone through loss in here. But here's what I'm learning, man, to hold on to those things loosely. Hold on to those things, Lucy. Paul says, I consider everything else a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus for whose sake I've lost all things. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. For lack of time. Anybody who's heard me teach on this? Where the real word for garbage. Scubula. Scubula. That word, in today's term, would be our S word. Paul says, I consider them scubula. Poop. That's a nice way. What's Paul doing? He's trying to drive home a point. Those things compared to Christ. that from the message. I love the way it says in the message. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. Why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. What he's saying, I'm going to let it go if that's what it takes for me to be embraced by Christ. I don't want anything in between us. Paul is not saying, hey, I'm not worried, so I just quit paying the bills. Paul's not saying I stopped working. He's not saying I stopped doing. What he's saying is my concern, my anxiety, the thing that kept me up all night, I've given it to Jesus. Chris Lund, Wednesday night, if you miss Wednesday night, Chris Lund taught, man, incredible job. And at the opening, he handed out four index cards. He said, I want you to write on each index card, I want you to write down the most important things in your life. One per card. Four, four, top four and most important things in your life. Wrote them down. Later on, he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. A storm is hit. You get to choose which one of those things you lose first. Put it in the middle of the table. And people are like, oh, wow. We go through all those and end up with one card. He says, now that one card, let me ask you, is it something you can lose or, or, or can it be taken away from you? Because here's the thing, it should be your relationship with Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that cannot be taken away from you. And whether you lose everything else, he will always be. I do. 
I, I pray you have a great home, a nice car, nice clothes. I pray you have a dream job. I pray you're blessed upon blessed. I pray you have all those things and more, but hold on to it with an open hand. Hold on to it loosely where if you've got it, praise God. If you don't, praise God. I can live with it. I can live without it as long as I've got Jesus. I'm closing. A couple more stories. Here's what I don't want for you and I don't want for me. I don't want to get to heaven and get a one look at Jesus and go, really? Really? I was so consumed with everything else in my life. I didn't realize how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, how perfect you are, because I allowed these things right here to capture me instead of you. I don't want that for me. And my prayer is that, that we take these cares, we take these worries, we take these addictions, we take these things we can, and we throw them on Jesus where he tells us to. David said this. One thing I ask from the Lord, it's only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. The Passion paraphrases that like this. I love this. Here's one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with Him every moment in His house, finding the sweet loveliness of His face filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace. I love this. I want to live my life so close to Him that He takes pleasure in every prayer. David says, there's only one thing that really concerns me. One thing I really care about. And do I get to be in the presence of God? Because if I don't, that's my only concern. I want to be right here. I want to know you guys so much that my prayers, they delight you. Let's close this thing out. You remember the story of Mary and Martha where they have Jesus over for dinner. I promise you I'm closing. Then Mary and Martha over for dinner. Martha's running around like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to make sure everything's right, making sure the kitchen, the food's not burned, make sure the scented candles are lit in the bathroom. Make, come on. Y'all know how y'all do it. Make sure everything's right. Where's Mary, her sister, sitting at Jesus' feet? Martha gets an attitude. She goes, says, Jesus, I'm not doing all this work. Here's Martha sitting at your feet. Don't you care what Jesus says to her? Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I will not take this privilege from her. Martha says, don't you care, Jesus? No, not really. I don't care that this gets done or that gets done. Those things are distracting you. Those things have got your mind going in a hundred different directions. Mary's chosen to do the one thing. She's undistracted. And I will not take that away from her. I want to discover what Mary discovered that day. I want to discover what Zacchaeus discovered. What 
Simon and the others discovered where they walked away from everything. What the woman discovered that it caused her to pour out the most expensive thing that she had. I want that when it comes to God. A lot of you, you got a lot of cares in this room today. A lot of real concerns. And I'm going to be very honest with you. You may leave here today and none of those cares, none of those concerns addressed. Chances are if you walked in here with a broken marriage, the past hour and a half has not healed that marriage completely. If you walked in here with bills looking at you in the face, chances are you're going to go home, those same bills are going to be there. Can we be real? What's the difference? What's the difference? so enraptured by Jesus.